funny, always real. And today we have the lovely Lido Pimienta, who's an artist who does amazing music, who identifies as an indigenous Afro-Caribbean woman from Colombia and now lives in Toronto. You were born in Colombia. What brought you to Toronto so that our audience understands your, your trajectory as a musician? In Colombia, I was performing since I was really, really, really young, um, like preteen, always in bands, always in some type of, you know, like for Colombian groups or metal or punk and hip hop like I did everything it was really great um, to form as a performer um, while I was still in Barranquilla then we had to move to Canada because of political turmoil and I ended up in this small town in Ontario I guess I guess it's not that small it's a city called London Ontario, um, nothing like the London in UK. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I survived that one, dodged that bullet, and then I uh, and then I moved to Toronto with my son, and then I went to school to become a a, a curator, an artist critic and curator, uh, art critic and curator, and then. But then people would be like, aren't you, little Pimienta, like, what you doing here, reading all these boring books about white people and how they see art? And because um, I want to be a curator and I want to... You're also decolonizing the people and music and our culture, too. And in my situation, I was just like, you know, this is, this is good for me. Like, I need to learn. No one is going to teach me how to be an artist. I, I was born an artist. Okay. But I do want to understand how you know, how to manage different things in art industry and see how I can apply it in my practice. And then, yeah, and then people will be like, oh, like we should, you should play the show and da 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 And then that led to m- more more shows and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I've learned to have actual research and actual background to it. So it really helps me to portray my message and it really helps me to share um, my music in ways that that go deeper than just, you know, a beat and, and a cute melody. Which is what makes this, you know, more impactful music. What what was some of the things that helped you um, with that when you created La Papesa? And actually, I dropped it just, just saying, just pretty much saying goodbye to it. Like, I, I honestly didn't think that I would be performing it past 2016. Like, in fact, when I when I dropped it, I was in Chile. <laughs> I was in Chile, like, like, recording the album that I'm working on now, which is called Miss Columbia. Oh. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, a, I put it... That's a sneak I, bit for our audience. Yeah. They're like, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Miss Colombia. Um... I, um, yeah, I was in Chile and I was like, okay, I'm starting a new chapter, so I guess I'll put it out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because I had been performing it for the last two years before that. So, and the way that the, the La Papesa started happening was, you know, when I moved to Toronto with my son, I, I just separated from baby daddy number one, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, 
Whoa, I'm a single mother now. Wow. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How do I do this? Hello, help me. Yeah, a lot of mixed emotions in it. Lots of it. It's also moving to a city where I have no family or no friends. Um, you know, and doing it with a kid and like, you know, starting like entering like a you know, art institution where you know that you know art. You know, I love art, but also, you know, when 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 it's fine art, is is so bougie and elitist and exclusive. Right. So someone like me, who's all about accessibility and keeping things simple and 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 sharing, you know, you really have to just be prepared. So the songs, the songs help me deal with all of that. So you know, when you listen to it, there's there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of stories about survival, you know, like when you start dating again and, 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 and when you start making friends and then the friends that I that I made in the city were interesting people with really interesting stories. So it really is like a chapter by chapter of my journey into moving with my kid and and then, you know, the questions of your identity and be like, okay, am I Canadian now? Like, am I, mm-hmm. like, am I Colombian? Like, what is it? What, what is it? Like, what is it that, that makes me me? And how do I keep myself centered and focused? And so the album really helped with that. And I did play, a, I played it a lot. And, you know, I got more known in the city and played better shows and da 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 But also a lot of painful things happened to me, you know, like, close people to me like my families and close friends of mine passed away while the whole thing was happening so it's always really hard especially when you're an immigrant and like you can't really go back to your country and like be at every funeral music has helped me cope with that and I guess people have connected and the way that people have because you know I just signed with a label just like very recently but all of those years and I and I still consider myself as an, as an independent artist. And all of that, for all that time, you know, I've just been hustling and grinding all by myself, you know. So when people see my show, there's this connection that we have. It's because I understand that feeling of wanting, but knowing that you can't do it yet. Mm-hmm. Like this long waiting to, you know, my moment is going to come and, and I just, this is just the way that it is right now, you know, like, so when people see my show, there's this connection that we have. It's because I understand that feeling of wanting, but knowing that you can't do it yet. It is very real, you know, it's like I, you know, you just learn to cope and you learn mechanisms to improve your life while helping just other people that you love that 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 you know que te que te que te criaron you know mm-hmm. right. so so right now so then yeah so then after all of that you know the good and the bad happened I finally put the album to rest by releasing it but then more things happened with it that I did not foresee so that's kind of where we are now right wow. but like to your point all that your mechanism was music and you did release a lot of possible you know not just pain but reality of of one woman's story that was real to many other women right like being a mother Mm -hmm. having to um migrate to a different place where like not even the cultural language is similar in many different fronts so and then 
you won the Polaris Prize for that album that you dropped in 2016, La Papesa. So there's a you trusting the universe is gonna is gonna serve you right when the time is right is so magical Mm -hmm. within itself because it's proven that. My friends are hardcore, like astrologists, like the rising star of the planet of the date of the but I'm not like that. Like I'm like, you know, I don't have time to learn all those books. Like I gotta take my kid to school. However people don't realize (laughs) it. But don't worry about that. That's why you have your bruja friends around you. If my grandmother had a bad dream, no one was going out to that party, you know what I'm saying? Like believe me, when you grow up like that, I just know that for me that's a part of your reality, <laughs> that's and that's a part of the reality for many of our listeners. Yeah. Like, it's so real. Or is there is there anything else that stands yeah. up to you that you're like, oh, that if this happens, I can't do that? Like, what else did you grow up with? Um, oh my god, let me go down the list: burning sage, and then on the and with the eucalyptus, and then you have and you know like sage your whole body with it to bring the good energies and the good spirits. You know, especially after you cut your hair because it's a new chapter. And, like, my family, like, my family is why you, okay? Like, we were the only, like, one of the few communities or the few tribes in Colombia that do that to the Spanish, which is why, you know, we don't speak Spanish, okay? okay. So, yeah. like, there's no, there's no, like, we don't, there's no, like, written, there's no written language. It's just oral. So... Like when I'm there, you know, it's like what the, what I do know is that I have to manifest and I do know that I have to visualize and I have to work hard towards the things that I know that I deserve, the things that I want and know that the things that I am going to be receiving and the things that I'm going to get, I'm going to use that how, whatever power that I receive, use it for good yeah. and really put my heart, mm-hmm. you know, just do the things without without a hint of selfishness or 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 have a dark agenda so when i put that album out i honestly was saying goodbye thank you for the memories thank you for the lessons thank you for the strength you know like like a song like La capacidad in that album you know that song is such a healing ritual it has become yeah it, se ha vuelto como muy espiritual que el, it has helped a lot of people yeah. Because I am telling you the story of, yeah, like domestic abuse, I, I went through that. And now this song is helping me and I'm telling you the story and then we all come together. You know, so that's like that's a moment that La Papesa has brought me and continues to bring to people, you know, around the world that are listening to that song. That's just one of the moments in this album. And again, I just put it out there and I had this image of myself and that the album was his paper boat. And boats mean a lot to me because my dad used to be a sailor. So I had I had this boat and I was just and I was burning it and I was releasing it into the water. And like that was the image that I had. Little did I know that it was gonna, you know, get the award and, you know, get the nomination and like that it would like bring me to you know, Europe and like more more cities in the States and more cities in Canada. And, I just and ultimately, that it, it brought you closer to women of color, you know, because that's that's really, you know, our community sure. listeners here at Morado Lens. Like, yeah, they're all brujas or they believe in magic, but ultimately it's beyond that. It's like the community that it brings together of very, very hard stories and beautiful stories all at the same time. And you are now part of 
the modern women of color that are first and second generation mm -hmm. immigrants. So true. that's a beautiful story within itself. And honestly, this is not talking, you know, a lot of your songs resonate with me, but I also feel the happiness and the pain through it, even when it's just your melodies. And that is mm -hmm. vulnerability from your end. So I applaud you and, you know, thank you for doing that. You know, you said before that you put this album to bed and you were saying goodbye to this part of your life. And then how does it feel mm -hmm. to go on tour and then sing these songs again and then put it out there? Like, does that bring up mixed emotions? Do you relive that all over again? What does that happen? Like, what happens to you? Instead of focusing on, whoa, like I'm still doing this. What I did is that I, I just worked on the songs and gave them a new life. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a beautiful team of people behind me and my band understand that, you know, it's not exciting to me to be performing the same thing over and over again and making it sound just like the album and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What you do is that you work on the set and you work in the music and you transform it and you rearrange it and you make it new. You know, my voice is this powerful. I am going to match the music and I'm going to try. So it became like a competition between myself and my music So how can I make this even bigger and better? You know, like you really have to see the show. Like you really have to be there. And you can see the show, you know, three times in the span of three months. And you'll still find something new. And that is, that is what I do. Like that is what I strive for. Mm -hmm. So in doing that, I was able to really love and embrace We're giving this 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 music new life because also you perform to new audiences. So when you perform to a new audience, it's exciting to show them this work. And then I just see everything as as a learning experience. I see everything as 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 an asset to myself and my personal growth as a person and as an artist. You can control everything, and right. and you will eventually. Oh, that's exactly what needed to happen. And it's just the same with relationships, with work relationships and work environments and so on. You know, you, you hit yourself so hard and you like push yourself so hard and you blame yourself for everything. But then you, then you understand like, oh, I'm so glad. Like, and I, and I, and I, all the time, I'm, you know, like when, when, when me and baby guy number one were like going through the worst of it and I just kept blaming myself like, oh, I failed my son. I failed him, and, like, we need to be together. Even I knew it was a disaster, but I was like, no, we have to make it work. Right. Now, you know, I have a different relationship. I'm so happy. I'm pregnant, like, and I'm like, thank right. this was the Lord. This brought me here. This brought me here now. I was just like, there's also a sense of, like, you were being hard on yourself as a mother, and there's so many mothers mm -hmm. right now that are in mm -hmm. relationships that are unhealthy for them, and they're exposing their kids to it, and they're only in it because yeah. of the Catholic shame or the tradition yeah. of what society or exactly. And you, have, exactly. you are an example to those women. Like, you don't have to yeah. be in a relationship. If it's not good for you, it's not good for you, and it might lead in your case to another baby to another uh, partner and tell us a little bit about that your new stage you're, you're about to be a mommy to number two mm -hmm. well let me tell you you know when I divorced well when we separated I, I had this uncle tell me 
I, you know, what's great about your mother is that after your father's death, um, she never had any other kids with another man. And oh, that is so good. That is so good. It's real. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So this is, and this is an uncle that pretty much raised me. And I'm looking at him like, okay, um, so what you want me to do? Like, he, because he was just like, he was just so worried that every time I would go visit, that I would bring like a new boyfriend or something like that. And I'm just like, but what if I do? Like, right. I'm still so young, you know, like I married when I was 19 years old, right. you know, super young. Like I had no need to do that, but you know, I was still in, in like patriarchal, like Colombian. Like if you're going to live with a man, you have to be married to him. Right. So I married, I married. And then, you know, two years later I have my, I have my son. And there I am, you know, like, like my, all of my twenties, I've been a mom, right? Like, like I, and I loved it. Like my son was planned. Like I had no, no issues with that. No problems with that. But that is, that is what, what, what they, what they tell you. It's just like, if you don't have your family together, your life is over. Like you, you, you failed, you failed, you know? So like, how? Um, like, why didn't you make it work? The blame is why? on the woman, which is the worst part yes. of it all. Like, what can you yes. do to keep your man? What can you do to make the marriage work? What can you do to make your... What about him? Right. <laughs> you know, no yeah. one puts any kind of... No one directs any energy back to the man. They just... They, whatever he is, he is. And whatever you have been married to, you have to make work. That's... Mm -hmm. My case was even worse because, you know, like, the friends that we had in common and everything is like, everyone justified his behavior and everyone justified him leaving and because you know it's like you're too pushy and like you don't treat him well and you you want him to do all these things and it's like well when you become a mom you you enter this protective mode and it's like if like we need to be better we need to thrive for more and we have to work harder and that's and that's what, what the way that I saw it was just like okay like pushing someone to be better is not a bad thing but you can't do it. You, but if you're a girl, you know, you're like this like tiny little brown thing, like, how dare you? Oh, how cool. dare you? So angry all the time, and you're so, you know, always nagging. You're always nagging. It's like, no, actually, I don't want to. Have... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So being assertive, it didn't work on my favor. But then whatever. Then I he left. I moved with my son to another city and I started again. Doing the damn thing without any shame. Doing the damn thing and I found the man, you know. And then you understand like, oh, yeah. Okay, so having a baby, actually, it, it, to, in my case, you would understand when like a man was, was serious, seriously into you because they would actually care about your kid. And then you'll have all these little boys that just wanted you and just were just interested in you, you know, sexually. Right. But you know that it's like, this is not going to go anywhere. If that's what I want, and if I just wanted someone to have sex with, then I would be like, yeah, no problem. But I, my goals in life, you know, it's like the man or relationships in period and romantic partners, period, that was at the bottom of my list. Like, that was at the bottom of my list. Mm. 
Lilo, I have to know, what did you say to your uncle? Because I'm sure there were comments <laughs> made when you came back, and you came back like, I know what you said you wanted me to do, but this is what I want to do. This is what I've become. Yes. Well, now, well, well we, we went to Colombia, and we met the entire family, and they just all got drunk. Hey. That's it. They just all got drunk together and they were just, you know, sharing all these stories. And, uh, you know, I am so independent. They realized we can't really tell this girl nothing. <laughs> like, we cannot tell this girl right. nothing. Like, yeah, so stand your ground. That's what it's about. That's pretty much let them talk and then just prove them wrong. Like, that's mm. just what you have to do. Like, I just prove with your actions. Just, just prove yourself with your actions. Just stay determined and don't let people influence, you know, influence you in the wrong way because it will derail you in your past. But Lido, I have a question. Did you know deep down inside that that mm -hmm. was not good advice? Did your intuition speak to you and tell you this is not mm -hmm. for me? I just do what I know works for me. Good. I just listen to myself. I listen to myself. I respect my elders, but I also don't have to talk to you because you don't pay my rent and you don't raise my son. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Did you always embrace this indigenous side of you? Did you always em embrace, you know, being a part of the Wayu tribe? I was very lucky that I actually grew up in the culture. Mm. Um, I came to Canada when I was 19. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I didn't come when I was seven and had memories of my grandmother. No, no, no. Like, we are a culture. We still exist. We have the tradition we have. And I was a part of it. I, all of my free, you know, summer breaks or whatever. I mean, we don't really, in, in the North Coast, it's always summer. But all of our breaks from school and, like, long weekends, I was with my family. I was in the desert. I was in El Campo. I was in the river. You know, and I went to the school called the Lyndon B. Johnson School, and, like, you can't, like, speak Spanish, and, like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I went to a school like that. Like, I went to, like, a bougie private school where I learned how to speak English. A little bit, really. I Music really taught me everything. Most of those kids are, like, like wealthy, like, wealthy kids, and their vacation time was Miami, you know, Orlando, you know, Orlando. Me, well, you know, I went to Miami, you know, and I was like, oh, uh, You're like, I, I was in like, yeah, like, I was like, <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm eating the brains of the gold right here, you know, and that was normal to when I, and I would tell those stories and I would not get invited to the birthday parties. Like, oh, all these girls that would have their, like, all-girl parties, I was not invited to that shit. Like, I was like, this girl is strange. And, I, and of course, like, most of the kids in, my, in the class, they were, like, white Colombians. I was not. Like, mm -hmm. I would get picked from, like, one day I was, like, reading my book, like, just chilling in my desk. And I feel a cut. Two kids, they came up to me, and they cut my hair. And they said to me, we're going to put it on the microscope and understand why your hair is nappy like that. <gasps> what assholes? Dude, that is so wrong. Out of all the memories of my childhood, like, that's one of the most strong, striking, like, I can never forget that. Right. And, of course, 
the 20 year reunion or 15 15 year reunion or whatever they I don't know, they planned some reunion and they added me to like a WhatsApp convo mm-hmm. and all of those kids that would bully me and like call me like why are you so black and why do you look so weird and why does your mom come to school wearing those weird robes and all that stuff they're all like oh my god I always knew you would be a star we're so proud of you but how do you come back from that Lilo talk talk to us about that because yeah. you among many other women have been bullied especially for the color of their skin for their indigenous for identity their hair texture everything like, and this was in mm-hmm. colombia amongst other colombians exactly so we're not even talking about being in america where there's like the black versus white african-american no this is amongst like latinos there's racism within latinos yes to me it's so interesting when latin people refuse to acknowledge the colorism problems that we have you know we are extremely racist like we like when you're so proud to be Spanish, you're like, "Why you 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 know Spanish? What Spanish are you? Were you born in Spain? Like, no, you were not." So, and those are the things. It's like we don't really correct ourselves, you know. Like, like I I don't like it when people call me Hispanic. Like, I don't like that shit because I feel like you're erasing my blackness and you're erasing my indigenous. Right. So so I had that super super clear and. You know, while I was in Colombia and these comments were being said, like it, the language is so normalized that you don't think that you that you are being attacked or racially profiled or or bullied or discriminated against because it really is so embedded in 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 the culture. You know, like like there's this novela called Guajira. Okay, mm-hmm. this is a perfect example. Huge, huge. Like most telenovelas colombianas, they're like really huge. Follows this, the the romantic story of you know this like white man or this white Colombian man that falls in love with this indigenous girl. Her name is Carolina Sabino. If you Google her up, this bitch got green eyes. She white. She a white Colombian too. So they put her in las mantas and our mochilas and our stuff, and she's love interest they're still trying to colonize your tribe but i'm yeah and but i'm watching this in the 90s right like i'm a kid you know like i'm a kid you know i'm like what 10 12 13 i don't know so i'm watching the novella and i'm not even it doesn't even register because i'm supposed to be excited about this novella i'm like this is my people maybe we're going to because you're being so-called represented but not really (laughs) exactly and i'm looking at this and i'm like what you know, like some years had to go by, so I could be like, "Oh my God, Guajira is a piece of shit novela. What is this?" <laughs> exactly. And 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 I went in my Colombian Facebook, and I went and I was like, "Yo, what's up with like Guajira novela? That shit was mad crazy. That was so offensive." Da, 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 da. Like. Women in Colombia, we're never gonna like, we're never gonna evolve when they're putting this like white people in as 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 indigenous, you know, like a whole, you know, obviously like what what better worded and all that. And the amount of hate that I got, you just want to separate us. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that happens with the traditional music and like my comments about you know, you know, you're gonna make a festival and you're gonna call it, you know, Latin music, but then like. You're gonna have all the sprinkles of like Europeans 
surf that 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 are recycling our music and calling it their own, exactly. and then you include them and you're paying them and you're giving them all this money when you should be giving it to our people. But that's just what it is. Like we still are colonized. Still don't know that we're colonized. As much as I get booked in Europe, as much as I get booked in the U.S. or Canada, uh, in South America, like I, I don't get those invites. But then I'll look into you know unnameable people that I'm not even gonna give them any clout, and they're white, living in the U.S. and they are traveling to Colombia like three times a year. Colonize mm-hmm. of the minds. Uh, for us Latinas mm-hmm. means actually going back into our own neighborhoods, our own urban communities, our own tierra, to our own abuelas and being like, yo, you got it fucking twisted. Like, I still have my mm-hmm. grandma to this day refer, if a friend of mine is dating someone a little darker, oh, mira, tu amiga todavía está haciendo con el niño que es morenito. Like, dude, el niño que es morenito has a fucking name. His name is Jose. The point is, like, even within my own grandmother that raised me, there's this sense of mm-hmm. me having to debate with her enough so that she understands how much she's been colonized. That's why she speaks that way. So much mm-hmm. addiction has to go back into our own people, unfortunately, before even the white man, because the white man or the white woman has that power only because we haven't r- risen up together collectively. We're still celebrating Dia de la Raza in most of our schools in South America. Like we're celebrating Cristóbal Colón. Mm-hmm. Like we're still celebrating that right. So right. I, this is another, this is another, another, I never forgot. We were in like science class and our science teacher, this guy, dark as fuck, dark man. And he, he was saying, you know, we should really be thankful that we were discovered by Cristobal Colón. Ay, Dios santo. Because imagine if we didn't, if we didn't have, if Cristobal Colón didn't come, what would we have? Would we have like mat arepas? Like how I'll nasty tell you, would that be? We still have our fucking trees and half of our animal population and 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 a half of yeah. our population because they brought diseases and raped and killed our people. It's just like it's just those that that change that small change mm-hmm. of integrating in the curriculum and be like, no, actually, you should be proud because you are a survival effort. You you survive all of this genocide and you still have you know. Like if you look this way and you feel this way and you have this rhythm inside of you, this is, and I mean, this is perfect, perfect um, background or moment to speak about, you know, the project that I'm doing now, which is Miss Colombia. Being Taino, Afro-Taino, like being who we are is, is, is a constant struggle. It's a constant compromising. It's a constant doubting and, 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 and analyzing de donde viene y para donde va. It's really heavy, and I can choose to ignore it, and I can just make, you know, I can just make a mean pop song, you know, about, oh, the man didn't call me back, so I'm going to cry, you know, like all those songs. Like all those songs have become super popular, and it's like that, you know, they rhyme, and they sound really good, and, well, R&B is trendy, so I'm going to do the R&B thing, but it doesn't really work for me. It doesn't work for me that, that way. We're glad that you're not following the sheep because you're an anomaly is what you are. And here at Murado Lens, we are about tapping into the anomalies or AK the taboos for many people who are not comfortable mm. with anomalies. But we're trying to turn it on, on its head and normalize it. Lido, but we have I have a question for you that you were at a concert and you asked for all the brown girls to come step to the front where white people were being resistant towards letting the brown people come to the front even after you ordered that as part of your performance. 
what made you do that? And do you see yourself doing that again after kind of the feedback you got from people? Well, firstly, it wasn't like a group of white people that resisted. It was one single white woman. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, white women are powerful as fuck. She was pushing and shoving the one line of brown people that were there because we were in a city called Halifax in a festival organized by white people for white people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, they're in their own journey of trying to diversify and like realize that, you know, they can't continue with this because we're not really going to tolerate it. It wasn't the first time and it was, and it's not the last time since then that I've done it that I say, you know, I go on stage and I say, I need all the men to go to the back and I want all the women to go in the front. Then all the women come. And then I say, okay, now I need all the white women behind the women of color. Right. That's what I do. That was, that, that's the thing. So then, and when I did that and I did it many times before and every time that I did it, people were very excited to be a part of that moment. Right. And if I did hear someone complaining about it, it would like, be like a tweet and people would be like, I don't get it. It was really weird. Like, well, and then you'll have all these like channel of people being like, this is why she was <laughs> right. doing it. Better. And it was awesome. At this moment, this, this moment, you know, because she brought the violin, I said, stop the music. And I said, okay, you crossed the line. You're pushing people mm-hmm. in the audience. And, like, the white women that were, like, down with it, they were, like, you know, booing her, and they were, like, get out of here. Like, you're making us look bad. Like, it's a beautiful moment. The whole thing lasted, like, no more than 45 seconds. Oh, wow. The next day, some journalist, who shouldn't even be called a journalist, who wasn't even there, wrote a report about how I kicked her out for being white. Alex Jones called this girl the white Rosa part. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot leave. I'm done. It was so violent, mm. the reaction, because one white woman, mm. who, by the way, her very wealthy family flew her to LA so that she would get like a, like a break because it was so hard for her. Because the people in the city, people that were there, that were, that, that are from Halifax, they were like, you are full of shit. Like, you need to come forward and you need to apologize and you need to say what, because we all saw you pushing those people. That's what you got out. Also, the, the capacity at the venue was like a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Out of a thousand people, the first row, like the first two rows, they, that, that's what, that, that was, the would, it was just us. It was the, the, the only brown people were, just two first row, so you're 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 trying to tell me that you can't take one step back. She doesn't know what it is to take a step back and have someone that doesn't look like her, or maybe to her it felt unfair because she, I don't know, for hours was there and she thought that taking one step back that that is an imposition on her ego. It had nothing to do with you, Lido, nothing. But it's really not about that. It's about we're putting women of color, we're giving them a moment to shine, and if you have to take a step back, then maybe. You're, we're putting you in a place that we've been in our whole lives right. because your color, the color of your skin has been revered and celebrated and represented. Yeah. So what you did, I applaud you. And I'm, I'm so I'm so excited to hear more of your music and to hear your next album because 
um, Miss Colombia is going to be It's going to be popping. It's going to be know. dope. I, I already mean, know, dude. I'm excited for it. And something that yeah. we were really curious about that we wanted to end the call with was that, you know, you have your son, you identify as a queer woman. How how do you plan on, do you, like, explaining this to him or, like, bringing this to light so that he understands it? There's nothing to explain or any moment to bring him the news or mm-hmm. or the reality about it. We, since he's been three years old, four years old, you know, when we went to Toronto and he started going to preschool and all that, all those things, like, we just talked to him about everything, like, it's, um, as a matter of fact. So, so... You know, there's a lot of conversations about consent at school and anti-bullying and all those things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and he has his own questions. And, you know, at dinner time, you know, we're all together and, and we just always tell him, you know, like you have to be very respectful, you know, because you can't really be touching people if they don't want to be touched. You know, one day when you're a teenager and you start liking people, you know, whether it's a boy or it's a girl, whoever you bring home, you have to be respectful to them. Right. My son doesn't, my son doesn't speak, my son understand. like when he speaks, my son, we're talking about any person, he refers to the people as them. And it's mm-hmm. not like he has to get reminded of it or anything. When he, when you meet him for the first time, he, he will ask you, he's just like, oh, how do I identify? Like, you said, you said, or he'll ask me, he said, and he'll like, he'll, he, he asks, you know, he comes like, come closer, mom, like, are they a he, a she, or a they? And he just tells me before he introduces himself because, you know, and it hasn't been something that was difficult. I just said that to him once when he was four years old and he's never forgotten it. Like, it's not difficult, you know, and like, you know, like he knows, like he doesn't in my, in my, the only straight person that he's really exposed to in my circle is my big daddy. Mm -hmm. I mean, my daddy number two, but everyone else he knows, it's like. His aunties that are like our like our chosen family that he calls like Tia Yeni, La Tia Victoria, La Tia Jessica. He knows like he sees them, and since you know we've been in Toronto for six years, he's seen them with different partners. You know, male identifying, female identifying, like. I know I get yeah. what you're saying as far as like sometimes we have become so progressive and we're modern women and we've understood that love is love, yeah. however you want to look mm-hmm. at it. So even for my son, he's four, my grandma or my aunts who are more old school tell me, oh, a ti no te importa que you have a transgender friend hanging out with your friend. No, I say, I say no because the same way that when you're heterosexual, you don't tell your kid I'm heterosexual. You just are heterosexual. Mm-hmm. You know, I also identify like yourself as a queer indigenous Latina woman who's a mother who happens to be married to a man. And like there's yeah. nothing really to explain to him other than he should accept all for what they are. Thank you for your truth, Lida. We appreciate Thank that. But so be- before we let you go, I know it's this is the last question, I promise. It's, it's going to be a wild one, too. We like to end all of our our shows um, with a, a question from our Morado Lens Tarot deck. And it, it could be any question, and we're going to shuffle it. You might hear it. You might not. That's what you hear. And you're going to hear that. So then whenever you say stop, then that's the question meant for you. So are you ready? Okay. Okay, ready? And tell me when to stop. Hi. What is the most interesting conversation in culture right now that you want to jump in on? Ooh. The Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the Me Too and how it's interesting that it had to happen 
you know, like it 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 takes Hollywood or like a rich white woman to speak about what incarcerated brown women have been telling you for twenty years, what black women have been telling you for years. Mm-hmm. Um, the mainstream, the mainstream active activism and how it has taken over. Um, and again, yes, like like the Me Too as framed as a gentrifying. Um, notion like it's like the gentrification of activism if, if, the, if there's a gentrification in activism i think the me too is like the yuppies in town that come and like make we put all their their expensive expensive cafes in it of course it has been good in many ways mm-hmm. but i just don't appreciate i don't appreciate when scarlett johansson is the is is <laughs> when scarlett johansson is trash is advocating for me like no no you know what Lilo that means that that's part of your contribution when it comes to music and representation and um, I'm so excited to see what comes up next this issue that many brown women have Mm -hmm. been talking about and you are not alone in that sentiment I'm really I'm really excited to see what comes up next I'm excited too and you know one word for all of us is hashtag decolonize Mm. And we're all taking different paths to tell that story and decolonize our culture, our raza, our, you know, spirituality, um, and so many things in between. So thank you again, Lido, for your time today. I know you're a busy woman and a mom of mm-hmm. two very soon. Nice. And you're doing an album. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's like, it's too impressive. You are, you are, you are technically Mrs. Colombia. I'm sorry to tell you. There you are. In or a good way. Miss Colombia. I think what's impressive is when, like, someone who sells empanadas at the side of the road all day, frying empanadas in Central America or South America, and they have, and she's pregnant, and she has, like, two other kids that she has to watch because no one can help her with her kids. So she's at daycare and a business owner, but her business is not McDonald's, so she's not going to, you know, she can't sell her delicious homemade and, and beautiful empanadas for the same price i think that's impressive bang but you're right it's not just about the one woman it's about the rise of the women of color so appreciate you i appreciate the lady who makes empanadas i even appreciate my grandma's ass and sometimes she could be a little ignorant but i love her there you she go came, yeah. she came out here with six kids like you gotta love yeah. the woman's mm-hmm. resilience and we need to centralize ourselves decolonizing is fine but centralizing our stories mm. is very important is also very important. We need to centralize our nar- our narratives. When we centralize our narratives and our stories and our backgrounds, we elevate ourselves, and then we and then we really empower ourselves. I love it. Thank you so much, Lido. We appreciate you, and hope you have a wonderful day. You. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you so much. Abrazo. Light and love, sister. Bye bye. That was our conversation with Lido Pimienta. Please look out for her new album, Miss Colombia, coming out. Miss Colombia, she's a boss. I love her. Oh, my God. That was so interesting. We talked about music. We talked about race. We talked about colorism. We talked about her Why You Tried. But more than even an artist to me, what I came through all of her conversation was that she's a warrior. Yeah. You know, she's ready to take on the, the work that needs to be taken on to speak on behalf of a lot of women of color, especially indigenous women from South America. Yeah. You know, because you and I have gone on the front line, Cindy, too, for Native americans here native to united states Mm -hmm. north america yeah but even for our own people we haven't gone to the front lines in the amazon or these other places and she really is talking that that talk for them people i i love it i appreciate her and good luck on her pregnancy yeah i just respect artists especially musicians who are creating music like conscious music because 
that's not very popular. And you know going in what you're stepping into, especially in the music industry that's run by men, that's run by white men. And so for her to keep tracking along, even though it's not, hasn't reached like that trendy pop she knows what she's getting into she still keeps going and it's resonating with a lot of women because i think that there's like an uprising of brown women all over the world and we're coming together especially through like music and arts and culture so thank you again to lido pimienta if you're listening thank you lido we appreciate you and as always thank you to everyone listening we appreciate you as well and we're out that's right this is Matt, and this is cindy and this is Murado lens peace, peace. Yo, yo, this is Cindy. This is Nat. And we have an announcement. That's right. We're now on Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Because we need to be fully independent. That's right. Listen to, listen to us, guys. We're here. We're trying to create positive social impact for all our brujas and feminists alike. And we want to do it on our own terms. Mm-hmm. No strings attached. No selling not to corporations or brands that don't represent what we're about. And we need your help. And we need it now. That's right. So being independent ain't easy, Mm-mm. but it is going to be better for all of us. So check us out. P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Murado Lens. Peace. Peace. <laughs>